0: Welcome to No Punt Intended
1: on Die Hard Sports Radio. Now your host Joe Zolo. Welcome into No Punt Intended presented by Club Fantasy. I am your host Joe Zolo. It is Champion Chip Weekend, Super excited for the games ahead. We are two weeks away from Super Bowl 54. Couldn't be more excited. Joining me as always, Joshua Hudson. Josh, how are you?
2: I am absolutely fantastic. We got a great uh, Monday night college football championship game. Um Joe Burrow, LSU Tigers absolutely destroyed the other Tigers from Clemson. Um that that I'm telling you Joe Burrow is going to be absolutely fantastic to watch in the NFL and I sincerely hope that the Cincinnati Bengals do not ruin that kid's career cuz they have a history of doing that.
1: Well, it's the Bengals so we can't be too sure. This yep. week we focused on quarterbacks last week. This week moving on to running backs and joining us to talk the slew of running backs and the complete mess it was this entire season.
0: I'm so hyped for this guest by the way.
1: Angelo from Angelo Fantasy. Buddy, how you
0: doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for joining us, man. So, Angelo, before we even dive into this, if no one has ever heard of you before, who are you? Where can we find you? What's your background?
0: Uh, so, first of all, my, my background's in uh, human performance and biomechanics. Um, as we spoke before, um, I was a track and field athlete at the University of Illinois. So, a lot of my um, like terminology I use comes from um, more of the sports science world. Um, I live in Chicago with my wife. Um, I grew up here as a Bears fan, sadly, nowadays. Um, But, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, AngeloFantasy. But, yeah, I mainly do – Great follow, by the way, people. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely
2: fantastic follow.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah, mainly do um, uh, more of like a biomechanical breakdown of different prospects um, and kind of looking at how they move and how they – how I can kind of integrate to the NFL in that capacity, because that's a really important thing, because um, the environment, the ecosystem as a whole changes so much um, at, from a landscape standpoint, from the collegiate field to the NFL field. Um, so looking at that from kind of that lens of how does that impact their stock? Does that go up or go down as they uh, make the transition to the NFL?
2: So let me ask you real quick. How did you get into doing this for fantasy football purposes?
0: Um, I mean, I've always kind of it's, it's kind of a funny story. So I, I always kind of been really involved in fans football. I hate losing. Um, I'm super competitive as we all that, do. Same. Yeah, I'm super competitive in that aspect. When you know, I always want to do the most I can to win. Like probably everybody listening and, and you guys as well. So, um, I was <laughs> it's kind of funny. Back I was actually searching Twitter, um, for like draft stuff because we have, I have a big keeper league. I'm in with a lot of my buddies from high school. Um, that's my home league, and. I was just researching topics after topics. Um, so I had like three picks, you know, three, three, um, three, like first round rookie picks. Right. So I was doing as much research as I possibly could. And I'm like, man, like all of my buddies have Twitter. Right. So I'm like, man, like I really need to make like an, another Twitter where they're not going to like figure this out that I'm like, like, cause I like research and my like, you know, like talk to people and interact and things like that and get their thoughts and opinions. Um, so I made, this additional Twitter. Okay. And so then I was talking to one of my friends who's not in the league. And he's like, Could you like a movement breakdown of like Dave Montgomery from like your perspective since you work in the field? I'm like, Yeah, it'd be fun actually. Cause I do that anyways. Like I, I, I took a lot of film. Like my day to day job was looking at and dissecting and kind of picking apart so many different um, elements of human movement. So I love to do that regardless. Like that's my day to day. And so I did it. And then um, people started messaging me that, Hey, like, we like this. Like, could you keep doing this? Could you keep this going? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so I would do it anyways. And I would just post it. Um, but that's kind of how it started. Um, and now it's, it's kind of turning a little bigger than I would have imagined it to, but, but it's cool. I mean, it's fun. I like it. I like the different interactions um, that I've been, I've been having around, I guess the Twitter world. Cause I wasn't really into Twitter, I guess, before, um, I created this account. Um, but now it's one of those things where I check it every day um, and it, it's fun interacting with different types of people who come from different types of sport backgrounds as well.
2: Uh, well, I think you're an absolutely fantastic follow. Um, I, I believe it was one of the the first ones that caught my eye was when you were breaking down Miles Sanders, because I'm a big Eagles fan. Right. Yeah. And uh, we were trading some DMs on Twitter and I was like, all right, man, hold the phone, homie. I need you to tell me why I need to, bail on my boy here because (laughs) I'm all about Miles Sanders and then I saw that you did a a second thread recently I think it was within the last couple weeks
0: yeah and you really saw the
2: difference um of you know his you know first half of the season versus you know the second half and how much more usage he got once um Jordan Howard you know got hurt and you know you just kind of like going through it with all these different breakdowns and you know, you were you seemed more like you were hyping him up a little more the second half of the year, yeah. versus that initial thread. So I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't bail yet because this is my dog
0: and I'm rolling with him. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> no, but yeah, I like to do. That's one thing I want to do is I want to kind of do like a, a compare and contrast type of thing, where you know I I'm, I think I'm gonna do um, i plan to do two more. I think I'm planning to do Devin Singletary. I'm done with his. Oh, uh, and then um josh jacobs as well okay. um just kind of a compare and contrast from like the beginning of the rookie season to the end because like i said before the ecosystem as a whole changes for these guys so much from being a collegiate athlete to being the nfl, NFL. Well, absolutely
2: because now you're learning new techniques exactly new, new you techniques have different you know different doctors different scientists exactly. different trainers right. all these different things
0: exactly so it's just so different like from a holistic perspective so um i try to break down as best I can. Um, what went on in the beginning of the season? What went on in the end of the season? What are some of the habits that the athlete has that they still need to break that might hurt them moving forward? And or what are some things that they've done a really good job of transitioning into and changing? Like Miles Sanders, much better job in between the hole, much better job being patient. His footwork got more economical as the season went on. And he's got more comfortable and confident in his movement um, he's a super fun player to watch because he's just, he's so explosive, so dynamic, such a good accelerator, but he does a lot of things that a bell cow back doesn't necessarily do between the tackles, which he still needs to kind of work out, but, um,
2: see, I've he, never seen him as a bell cow back
0: though. I haven't either. A lot of people yeah. do, but that's a lot of people I, like, I think, you know, but I, I think he could be kind of
2: like what, like what LaShawn McCoy was. I mean, when you look at McCoy, you, I don't, you don't necessarily, Oh, that's a bell cow back. But he's easily been one of the best running backs of the last decade. Oh,
0: I, I completely so, agree. I you mean, know, I, that, and
2: that's that's kind of that body type that I look at at least with Sanders. Yeah. I just yeah. want to be able to get through a broadcast without somebody bringing up the fact that he was Saquon Barkley's
0: backup at Penn State. Oh, I can't. It's no, like man. seriously, we get it. Hold, no, get that, the narratives are the narratives are hilarious. <laughs> I can't,
1: can't hold on, it. Hold on, get through get through an effing Patriots
2: broadcast without hearing.
1: <laughs> hey, you know Julian <laughs> Edelman was a seventh round quarterback pick from Ken State, right?
2: Hey, or Tom know. Brady was the greatest sixth round pick ever. It's hey, silly. did you know? Tom, exactly.
1: Did you know that Mark Bulger and a Spurgeon Wynn were taken before Tom Brady? Yes, I do. Thank you for the one thousandth time <laughs> that we've heard that in his eighteen year career. We don't need to hear yeah. it any further.
0: No, I agree. So,
1: moving into let's let's start with we opened the show with what a freaking mess this entire year was at the running back position. and to perfectly emulate that, looking at Josh's Josh, is this the top twelve preseason rankings beforehand this
2: this was my top twelve, yes. and in parentheses, I put uh, where they finished all right. So, so you have that for reference
1: so I, I'm just, I'm gonna spoil that. Out of the 12 names on here, only four of them finished in the top 12. That's how much of a mess this was.
0: On a points-per-game basis or a uh, just end-of-season total points? End-of-season end of season total, total points. points. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: And this is in club fantasy scoring. So uh, before the season, 1-12. to 12, Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, Joe Mixon, James Conner, Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Carrion Johnson, Mark Ingram, how they finished Christian McCaffrey blew the freaking competition away. Everyone knows that Aaron Jones came out of nowhere. Delvin cook. I think everyone knew he had the skill. It was just, can he stay healthy? Austin right. Eckler benefited from the Melvin Gordon injury. Ezekiel Elliott, top five. Not surprising. Derek Henry finished the year extremely strong. Leonard Fournette definitely benefited from a rookie quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Nick Chubb, the only Cleveland Brown to survive the wrath of Freddie Kitchens. Mark Ingram, everyone on this show. Uh Angelo, I don't know if you were extremely high heading into the season on Mark Ingram, but we were I was. Oh yeah, we were balls to the wall on Mark Ingram this year. Chris Carson, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. So I mean you look at some of these names, right? Kamara's there, Saquon's there. They probably didn't finish where you drafted them. But Barkley
2: I think was actually 6th in our average like 4th, 5th or 6th in points per game.
1: Yeah, he he obviously took a hit because he missed half of week 3 and then the the 3 weeks after. Yeah, the succeeding 3 weeks. I I think and I'll, I'll just say the biggest surprise in terms of top 12 did anyone, I know Melvin Gordon was hurt, but did we really see Austin Eckler finishing fourth? Like, I didn't. That that's incredible. I, mean, I,
2: I, I knew that he would he would do okay. Like I, I had Gordon preseason as like 40, because I thought, honest to God, he was only going to play like six games this year. Right. He came back a lot earlier than I anticipated. Right. But I didn't think that, and Angelo, maybe you studied a lot more tape on Eckler than I have. But I just didn't see him as as the type of back that not only could sustain well over 200 touches in a sure. season, but be that productive.
0: Yeah, in no, doing so. I, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things when you look at it, you, you don't really understand it until like it's it's I like guess it's over. Um, it's kind of like Philip Lindsay in a way, like with his stature. Hi, I can't
2: um, stand him because I love Royce Freeman.
0: And I know a lot of people do. It. <laughs> I don't actually. I, I don't. I'm not a believer in Royce Freeman. That's okay. Um, but it's just, this, it's the same thing. Like these guys, you know, Lindsay has two straight thousand yard seasons um, being an undrafted rookie, you know, same thing with Austin Eckler. When We're looking at it from a production standpoint. Like we never expected him to be this efficient for a whole season, mm-hmm. let alone when just Melvin Gordon was, you know, on the field. Um, but when we look at it like just from like a holistic perspective, like I said, like when we look at Austin Eckler versus Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, is actually a much better running back than Melvin Gordon is. And that is something that people can be like, wow, I got that, That's crazy. No, it's, it's actually not. We look at it from the perspective of how well do they execute just, just simple, basic reads, how well do they move off script, how, how good are they as a pass catcher? You know, can they, can they split out wide and play receiver in the slot? You know, that type of thing. Can they go in motion and be a threat? Um, Melvin Gordon's kind of in that Le'Veon Bell realm of not the super, super um, crazy yards per carry guys, but they get, get a lot of volume um, and be pretty productive that way. But Austin Eckler is just really efficient with his touches. Um, just overall a better fit for that offense, in my opinion, um, because of the explosive plays he brings to the table. But yeah, I didn't expect him to finish RB. It was RB four, I think he finished. Yeah, RB four. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't draft him in any of my leagues um, that I was in. Um, in yeah, Snow he Black. was
2: just for me. He was going a lot higher than I wanted to pay the price for. Like everybody was just like, oh, well, he's going to be the starter, and that's going to be worth X amount of picks. And I'm just like, just because. I mean, look at Kalen Balazs. Just because you're a starter yeah. doesn't anything.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, we, and we didn't know when Melvin Gordon was coming back. I mean there, cool. there was, and that was
2: the flip side to I mean, it. That as was well. the
0: thing is, you know, like in, in a lot of my leagues that were you know, auction leagues or, you know, startups, it was like, Am I gonna really spend a large amount of my capital on this guy when I have no idea when the guy who was the belkow last season and, you know, Melvin Gordon was I think he was a two thousand yard guy. Like that's a that's a big risk. So I it's gonna be interesting to see what they do this year though, I think with with um with Gordon Eckler, because I think Eckler is a restricted free agent. He is, I and think then Gordon's be, an
2: unrestricted.
0: I mean, I think they're going to see the value in having a guy like, like Eckler around. Um, but I don't, I don't think they re sign Gordon. I mean, oh, I don't think they do. either. I think
2: if they wanted to re-sign him, they would have by now. And I agree. After the holdout, it they kind of showed that you know they don't need him to pair with Eckler. Well, uh, I will well, say this before we move on: two points that I found very interesting with Eckler one, of all running backs with over 40 targets last year, he had the highest yards per reception at 10.79, which I found crazy efficient. And two, including the weeks with Melvin Gordon, Eckler had only one week where he was lower than RB27, and that was week six where he was RB40. I
0: mean,
2: that's just very efficient production. With and without Melvin Gordon in the backfield with him.
0: Can, right, yeah, I agree.
1: What was that stat on his yards per reception?
2: Uh, the most yards per reception among running backs with forty or more targets.
1: Okay. And it was ten point nine? Ten
2: point seven nine.
1: Ten point seven nine. Okay. So people probably look at it and it's like, really, Christian McCaffrey didn't make it there? You gotta look at you gotta look at the, the offenses that they're in. McCaffrey is the undoubted number one target. And he really only has D.J. Moore, who was just emerging in his second year.
2: Oh, God, he was fantastic this year.
1: Yeah, he was emerging, though. (laughs) Before the season, no one was like, crap, we really got to cover D.J. Moore. Later down the line, they were, but still— We'll talk
2: more about wide receivers next week. I got some good stats there, too.
1: (laughs) But you look at it, Austin Eckler was so damn efficient in the passing game because the defense had to cover Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. right. who had over
2: 20 yards per catch.
1: Yeah, and Hunter Henry, too, when Hunter Henry was healthy. Austin Eckler, when you look at it in terms of targets, was probably fourth in terms of, like, who in the pecking order should get the football. Eckler's probably fourth because Keenan Allen's one of the best route runners. Mike Williams is a deep threat. Hunter Henry emerging as a great young tight end. And then Austin Eckler, so that's why he was so efficient. And now moving into our biggest surprises. We kind of talked about the surprise of Austin Eckler, But, Angelo, we'll start with you. Who was your biggest surprise for the 2019 season at running back?
0: My biggest surprise is not for the reason of, more like the boom reason. I was Le'Veon Bell finishing RB16. I think that was my biggest surprise just because he's the only running back I can ever remember um, probably the past decade that had 0 100-yard rushing games and zero runs over 20 yards and still finish in the top 20 of, of running backs. Like, that, that's unfathomable inefficiency. Um, I think the the Jets line was number 31 um, in run-blocking efficiency, so that's obviously it's not very good. But um, he only averaged, like, 3.2 yards per carry. But that's where the 60s – I think he had 66 receptions.
2: 66, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's where that comes into play. And that he kind of is the poster child for how valuable – are pass catching running backs in PPR formats. I mean, he literally did nothing on the ground but receive volume, no type of efficiency whatsoever, and he was still a pretty solid RB2 most of the year. Um, I don't know what they do with him next year. Um, I'm not positive on if. I think Gase wants him out, but. I don't think Gase ever wanted him to be I don't anywhere. think he wanted him in the game with that. I do agree yeah. with that. Um, I don't think he plays in New York next year. And the problem is who's going to take on that contract. See, and that's the problem. Um, running backs in their second contract are tough. Well, it's not reasons. even that. It's just how it's structured. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, he, his second contract is big. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not very cap friendly either. Mm-mm. So we're looking at it from, you know, who wants an, an aging bell cow running back. Not many Who's people.
2: never really been overly efficient on the ground. He hasn't anyway.
0: been. No, that, that's yeah. never. I mean, he had, I think he had two years in, uh, in Pittsburgh where he was like at 4.9 yards per attempt, which is great. Uh, um, 2014,
2: 15, and 16, he was at 4.7, 4.9, and 4.9. Okay. Okay. But I mean, uh, you you know, you look at the Steelers' offensive line as a right. whole. Like they were top five, been top fantastic, top five yeah.
0: Unit. yeah. So I mean, that makes a, I mean, that's a giant, giant difference. Like his his ecosystem and his environment took a complete one eighty from a top five to eight unit in Pittsburgh, a tier one unit, maybe the top end of tier two, to a bottom barrel tier three unit. So, he, he's not a guy who can kind of function in that in that type of environment as well. Like, Saquon Barkley is is, is in a Tier 3 unit right now in, um, in, New, in New York, but... And you even see his struggles, because, his I mean, he, he gets most of his control. yards on one play again Exactly, and it's the consistency that we see. People see the yard totals for Barkley in the latter half of the year, and like wow, like, wow, he played much better. It, it, there wasn't really much there for him. You know, he, he broke a couple big runs, and it just inflates his whole totals, but... The run blocking there in both New York teams is, is a big problem, um, and for Le'Veon Bell moving forward, that's not a that's not an environment he's going to want to be in if he wants to have the success that he had in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, if you had told me just looking at like his fantasy finish and looking at watching him play every single week, if you told me he topped three hundred touches, I would have had you drug tested. Right. Because right. I, 245 rushes, 66 receptions, and I feel like he did nothing. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. And yeah. he was still even, you know, top 15, 16 running back. Like, that's – yeah, and that's where the phrase comes from. Volume is king. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: So, so looking at uh, Bell's contract, before we move on to myself and Josh, biggest surprises, uh, his dead cap this year is $17 million. He's not going anywhere. But yeah. – there's a potential out after this season to where his dead cap is only 4 million. So I think if you're New York and you're Adam Gase, I think you stick with him for one more year and potentially try to trade him um or at, at that point you don't want you don't want him anymore, you cut him because the cap yeah. hit if you don't cut him is 13 and a half. So you would be eating 4 instead of paying a guy you don't want 13 and a half.
0: And... Well, I think that's more that's I think that's more likely. I'm like I like I said I think Gates wants him out. He wants out, but are they going to try and, are they going to truly find a trade suitor at this point? Probably not.
2: No. I think the Jets would just be better off getting rid of Gates instead of Bell, but
0: that's just I think, completely agree. I think so too. <laughs> I mean, oh, look at look at Kenny Drake. <laughs> Drake, Devontae Parker, Ryan Tannehill—they can—they can tell you a couple stories. Right Man, we—I
2: swear—we've dedicated multiple episodes to just ripping Adam oh Gase to new God. one. We are the farthest thing from Adam Gase fans on this show.
0: I never—I've never met an Adam Gase fan. So the—the the,
1: the moment he leaves New York, I—I oh, they're—they're they're throwing listen, a parade down no, Broadway. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm—I'm I'm putting my 401k on Sam Darnold as MVP. I—that's guaranteed. Uh, Someone on New York wins MVP, and it's probably Sam Darnold, because uh, he uh, let's get off Adam Gase. It's going to go on for too long. I, <laughs> speaking of awful head coaches, uh, Freddie Kitchens, finally gone. The only one that withstood the wrath of Freddie Kitchens was Nick Chubb, and that was kind of my biggest surprise, because you look at the offense as a whole. It was awful from the receivers. Jarvis Landry had a pretty solid season. Odell Beckham did not. He barely went over 1,000 yards. And I'm sorry, the 1,000-yard marker probably shouldn't be the threshold anymore. It should be like 1,200, 1,300 at this point. Because if Odell Beckham made it over 1,000 yards with the crappy season he had, that should not be the mark that we say, yeah, that receiver is good. Odell is obviously still a top-10 talent in the NFL, but 1,000 yards does not make you an elite receiver in the NFL anymore. Nick Chubb, what he did with the fact that his coach wouldn't even consistently give him the football was incredible. He finished RB8, and, and remember, Kareem Hunt came in uh, after the bye week in Week 10. And And at that point, Nick Chubb's touches did go down a little bit because Kareem Hunt did steal touches in the passing game, but he still maintained a solid stat line. He did have before before Kareem Hunt came in. He didn't have a single game in the sing, in the in single digits. When Kareem Hunt did come in, he had 3 games in single digits. So I think that's kind of interesting looking towards the future of if Kareem Hunt does stay and he's a restricted free agent for Cleveland, they basically just want the first right of refusal. If he, Kareem Hunt stays, I don't think that's good for Nick Chubb. If Kareem Hunt leaves, Nick Chubb's a top-five running back. That's that's not even a question. Right. So that's the biggest factor, especially if you're in redrafts or you're in a dynasty and you're thinking, huh, someone just offered me XXX for Nick Chubb and this guy, I would hold off, consider it, but hold off until you see what happens with Kareem Hunt. I don't care who else comes into that offense. It doesn't matter to me unless it's an all-pro running back, which it won't be. Nick Chubb will be a top five back as long as Kareem Hunt's not there, and that—that that to me was the whole biggest surprise of how well he played, even with Hunt in the lineup, and with how bad the offense was, considering they had to play from behind in almost every single game. And normally, when you play from behind, your running back does not benefit. So how he withstood that I thought was a, a true testament to how good of a talent this guy actually is. So. Josh, Angelo, before we move on to Josh's, anything to add on Nick Chubb?
0: No, I mean that's that's pretty spot on. Um, I mean, I I th- I think the one thing that was kind of a saving grace too is his offensive line was I, th- I think tier one of run blocking, and that's going to be big for him going forward, especially with the pass block. They couldn't pass save their lives. They <laughs> <have had> them <laughs> save their no, they could not. But Stefanski at the helm now.
1: Uh, that's
0: going to be interesting. Like I hate that. Be- I From his from a Nick Chubb specific standpoint, that is about as good as it gets because look at where Stefanski came from, yep. Minnesota. Okay, He organized and engineered that offense around Dalvin Cook's success. They don't use two running backs. They use Dalvin Cook. And I think that we're going to see the same thing in Cleveland. I would be surprised if Cream Hunt stays for two reasons. I I don't think Stefanski is going to want to engineer his offense around two running backs. Mm-hmm. He, had six, he had a ton of success this year in Minnesota with with um, Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. I don't think he's going to want to re-engineer that for next year. It could be wrong. But also, if you're Kareem Hunt, why would you stay? You've proven to be a three-down um, workhorse type back in Kansas City. And I think he goes to a place like Atlanta, like Kansas city, who does need a running back pretty poor, pretty badly. Um, and the running backs in Kansas city and Atlanta didn't perform up to expectation this year. And partially it's because the offensive line was, I think in a bottom tier, uh, tier two unit for, um, Well, Atlanta. yeah, both
2: the, uh, both the first round picks that Atlanta, exactly. drafted for offensive linemen got hurt.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a big, I mean, I think we're going to see Atlanta. I'll take a big step forward. Um, with their offensive line next year in 2020, I think that's a landing spot for Kareem Hunt for sure. Definitely.
2: I will say this about Nick Chubb. Um, The carries alone from weeks 13 through 17, no 20-plus carry games. Yeah. Um, But he had more 100-yard rushing games with Kareem Hunt than without. He had four after Kareem Hunt came through. He only had three the first half of the season.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, and,
2: I, and obviously, I, I mean, the receiving, uh, the receiving numbers, targets, catches, all that plummeted after um, Hunt came through because Hunt kind of became that passing yard guy. Yeah,
1: I think it's a stretch the field opens it up for Ken. Um, not I'm sorry, not Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb. Kenyon Drake is who we're talking about next. Is Josh's biggest surprise? Yeah, Josh.
2: I, I, I've ahead. been a huge Kenyon Drake fan for a lot of years. Love the kid. It, I'm. Actively part of the free Kenyan Drake fan club, um, and finally the homeboy's free. Uh, I thought Adam GaSe was the one that was holding him back. Apparently, everybody except Cliff Kingsbury wants to hold him back. Uh, weeks one through eight with Miami. Now, keep in mind, he didn't actually play in week eight. He only played the first seven weeks in Miami, but he was RB forty-two, scored fifty-four point eight fantasy points. The tandem of Mark Walton and Kalen Ballage combined for sixty fantasy points. So he was losing touches to these guys, and they couldn't do anything either. They totaled 85 touches over those eight weeks, and Drake had 69. Okay. Gets traded to Arizona. Weeks 9 through 16, he is RB4. He has three games over 30 fantasy points. Only one week, I believe, he had less than 10 points after week 9. And ultimately... Averaging everything out, he finished as RB15 this year. I had him as RB22. I've always liked him, just at the very least, as a pass-catching back. But very similar to how I felt about Lamar Miller, if you give the guy a chance to actually be the lead back, you can utilize his skill set, and he can be a top-10 running back, not only in the league, but in fantasy. And you saw that with Kenny Drake in that Arizona offense. Taking over for David Johnson and this is this and this is something I know we'll get more into because I, I'm seeing him quite a bit on, on our next list. Um, but you know the first six weeks of the year David Johnson was RB6. So that tells me that this offense works for running backs. And you have a guy here that fits exactly what Kingsbury wants. He's quick, he's fast and he gets open and he just goes. And that's what Drake does. Drake is a pending free agent. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, whether or not they're willing to pay him when they still have David Johnson on the books. But if Drake stays, I really, really like his upside for 2020 and beyond.
1: Completely agree there. And Josh, you teased it a little bit. Moving on to the biggest bust of 2019. Uh, Angelo and I have the same person. It's David Johnson. And I'll let you lead the conversation here, Angelo. I mean, it's almost pretty apparent, but why was David Johnson the biggest bust in your opinion?
0: I mean, the biggest reason for me is, and the only reason was just the degradation, the degradation of his explosive skill set. And I think that's, it Just he just literally fell off a cliff um, in terms of his explosive abilities. And it was night and day from, you know, game one um, to like week 12, and I think his ankle injury did play a part in that, but we just saw a completely different athlete from opening week to, like I said, like the latter half of the season. Um, which is why they, they brought in Kenyon Drake, I believe, is they they saw that his either A's injury was a lot worse than let on, that there was some significant ligament tearing, or um he simply has just kind of hit that plateau in his athletic career and everything's just starting to degrade. Um, I don't know which one we saw. I think it's a combination of both. Um, I don't think we see the same David Johnson that we all kind of fell in love with in fantasy football um, from a pure movements perspective. But it was one of those, when I look back on it, like I've never seen it happen so quickly. Um, Obviously we saw like Saquon Buckley get hurt this year, Alvin Kamara, and injuries took a toll on them but they were still productive post-injury. David Johnson probably had a same grade of injury um, to his ankle, but we saw a complete 180 in terms of performance um, and just even looking at him on the field of play. I think we all saw that play. I think he took a toss to the outside, and it looked like he was running in sand. Like, it was unbelievable. Um I think yeah, we, he has, he's always had really
2: good straight line speed.
0: Yeah, he's always been a yeah, He's he's always been a pretty explosive accelerator. Um when he gets up to top end speed, he, he's really really good. Good mechanics. Never great laterally, but that's okay. Um that just wasn't him what we saw like he can't even turn a corner anymore. So, it was just kind of bizarre to me to kind of see that happen so quickly. But um but yeah, I mean, I don't know where he goes um from here on. It's obviously stays in Arizona. But I don't know where his career is going to go. I mean, he's he's probably not going to be a guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna draft in many places.
2: You think Tampa will make a move, reunite it with Arians? I yes. was thinking I was thinking about
0: that, and I, I think I feel like I'm that's gonna, a popular theory. If someone's going to take a chance on him, it's going to be Bruce uh, because he knows him. He drafted him, um, and handed the reins to him, and he did hit. Yeah, that was. He had, a, I mean, I, I think that was the year he caught 80 passes, right? I mean, he had a he had a massive, massive year. One of the bigger years that running backs had in the last decade. Yeah, um, um, 2016. Receiving and rushing. But that 2016 season is is very, very far gone, in my opinion, in terms of his ability to do that again. Um, from a health standpoint and from just a pure movement standpoint, I think, like I said before, I use the term um, degrading. It's going to degrade again. Um, and I don't think that degradation is going to stop. And hopefully it does because it's going to save his career. But um, he's a guy that I think is kind of, you know, he has a big uphill climb, but everything is kind of moving downhill.
1: So since week seven until until championship week, David Johnson had one game over five points.
2: (laughs) That's crazy. One. The domination of Kenyon Drake, baby.
1: It's it's unbelievable. And just, (laughs) uh, so when he was healthy, he was injured for two weeks. He wasn't active. When he was healthy, he had four weeks where he scored less than one point. And if you combine all four of those weeks I'm talking about, he doesn't even score one full point. A lot of this is... Him not fitting the stereotypical Cliff Kingsbury-type guy. I I firmly believe that.
2: Either that or he tried to make a move on Kingsbury's wife, one or the other.
1: Either one. (laughs) The (laughs) fall-off from... uh, I don't don't know what happened. And I think a big part of it is what Angelo's talking about is you're not going to see the Kenyon Drake that you've seen... I'm sorry, the David Johnson you've seen before. It's not going to happen... It, whether it be wear and tear because of too many touches, maybe it's just not the right scheme for him and he just looked that bad in the second half of the season. But how can you look that good in the first half and look that bad in the second half? I don't know. It's normally the other way around. You'll normally pick it up in the second half instead of lose it all. I don't think he's done. I think the perfect landing spot for him is Tampa Bay because, my God, they have not had a running back in what feels like forever. So I, I think David Johnson will get traded, and I sadly don't think Arizona's going to get a good return for him. I think at best they'll get a fourth-round pick.
2: Now oh, that's at, stretching it when you factor in that contract.
1: I, I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just saying. I, I think at They best, might get a
2: conditional seventh if they're lucky.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying I think at best you get a fourth-round pick because he still, ha- he still has talent. I firmly believe he still has talent. It's not all there but he still has talent to be a top guy in the league when it comes to relying on him out of the backfield. With the contract, like you just said, in the fact that Cliff Kingsbury basically said, yeah, we don't need you. I'm sorry, you're not going to get a lot for that guy. I'm being generous with the fourth round pick, and that's solely based on talent. I think his talent alone would get him a second rounder, But you take everything into account, at best you're getting a fourth. So I don't know where he ends up, but if he ends up in Tampa, I don't know what the quarterback situation is in Tampa Bay. If they keep Jameis Winston, if they don't. But either way, I think he's set up in a good spot because Bruce Arians knows how to use him. Like we just talked about, drafted him, gave him the keys to the kingdom. So he knows what he's doing with David Johnson, and that's what I like. If he ends up anywhere else, I'm not too sure. Josh, your biggest bust of 2019, and I can attest very much so, being a Patriots <laughs> fan, how freaking bad Sony Michelle is.
2: Yeah, I was just kind of going through and looking at like my preseason rankings and some stuff that I remember some people uh, talking about. Everybody was like, you know, Sony Michelle has the chance to lead the league in rushing touchdowns. And, you know what, based on what we saw towards the end of last year, how much the Patriots were running the football in a way to kind of take pressure off of Tom Brady, and they were doing it well, That just was not there this year. Maybe it was a combination of, you know, ineffectiveness that Michelle just really isn't the first-round pick that they thought he was. Maybe it was the fact that they lost Gronk and his ability as a blocker or the fact that they lost James Devlin so early in the season. But Sonny Michel couldn't even top four yards per carry, didn't rush for a thousand yards, and he only had seven touchdowns, three of which came in one game. He had one touchdown after week seven. I mean, you want to talk about an absolute disappointment. I mean, I did a I did a dynasty startup draft uh in the offseason, and Sonny Michelle went in like the second round.
1: That's tough. Like
2: you cannot feel good about that pick that's, at all.
1: That's tough. That's almost like taking Marcus Mariota with the first overall <laughs> pick in a dynasty draft in 2017. Oh, oh Angelo. Angelo, you laughed. That was me. That was me. Oh, uh, yeah. this, this is
2: Joe's this was Joe's first so, foray into listen, dynasty. So. listen,
1: listen, I played it like a game of Madden where all the quarterbacks go in the first round. And I'm That's like, you know weird. what? I'm going to take someone I think is going to be good in the future. What I what I didn't realize at the time was that Ryan Tannehill was going to come in and sweep his job. <laughs> That's the one thing I didn't really...
2: Hilarious. I didn't every really... time we tell this story, I laugh and then cry because I know our ratings just go way down after that because <laughs> the credibility is all lost.
1: Well, no, because I, I say every show, and if you're if you're just starting to listen to us after about almost two years, uh, I am not good when it comes to drafting startup dynasties, but I'm very good in rookie drafts. And I'm very good in redrafts. So that's that's my strong suit. Dynasty, we're still figuring it out. I'm playing it like Madden when I need to not play it like Madden. That's my best issue. That's uh, But just quickly on Sony Michel, before we move on to kind of looking ahead towards 2020, uh, Josh, you nailed it. The injury to James Devlin, the loss of Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I'm sorry, you add those two guys back in there. Sonny Michel <laughs> eclipses 1,000 yards by Week 10. That's not even close. Sonny Michel did... Not show the same burst, the same speed, the same entire package Anything. that he even showed a little bit of last year and definitely what he showed at Georgia. And I mean, if you watched the AFC divisional game and you watched the three plays from the one yard line, first play, outside zone, which again, I hated every single play that they ran, should have just ran it up the gut or, or sneaked it with a quarterback who was a 96% uh, when it comes to. Getting a first down or converting on a third or fourth down on the QB sneak, but neither here nor there. Sony Michelle ran an outside zone. Was the blocking great? No. But Sony Michelle decided, hey, you know what would be better than trying to dive for the end zone or run full steam? Let me stop at the three yard line, really think about it for a good like three, four seconds, and take a two yard loss. Then Rex Burkhead they put in because you know that was the smart move, and Rex Burkhead gets him back to the one yard line. So you know what they do? They, they put back Michelle back Michelle. in again because Josh McDaniels is an idiot. And then he goes back in, and what does he do? His controller turns off at the three-yard line again. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, just, Sony, fall forward. Fall for. I don't care if you are stopped at the three, the ball should be at the two. I don't get Derrick Henry is stopped at the five, and the ball ends up on the one because he falls forward. J- just fall forward. You have to get an effing yard in Sony Michel. also as big as that. a
2: tree in the redwood forest. Like, come on, man. I, 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 don't, oh, care. <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't care. I don't care. Name, name me a good running back. What do they do? Fall forward. They do. They fall forward. That's not wrong. Like, like you like it. probably, I don't know. Uh, 10% of Christian McCaffrey's yards every single game probably came from him leaning forward. You want to know how many yards of Sony Michelle came from him leaning forward? Negative 50. Because I can probably count the amount of times he actually fell backwards because he just neglected the whole thing of gravity and putting the ball, you know, towards the first down. I think he caught Muhammad Sanu syndrome when Sanu couldn't figure out what the first down marker was until week 17. So oh God, this is absurd. Running backs on the radar for twenty twenty
0: before I absolutely blow a gasket <laughs> in my apartment. hilarious. Oh. oh man. All right, Angelo. You can tell he's a Patriots fan. I <laughs> can tell the passion was there. At that
1: pile of garbage first round pick <laughs> oh, that guy is. At least Na- at least Nikhil can get in the end zone, Sony. My God. Angelo, looking towards twenty twenty. Uh, who is on your radar as potential breakout candidates? We're not talking like, hey, draft Christian McCaffrey, because that's an obvious one. We're talking like maybe guys that could sneak into the top five or someone sure. that you may see as like, hey, he could be an RB2, but he definitely is the upside to be an RB1. Who are you looking at?
0: Sure. I think my two my two big guys here are Joe Mixon for one, um, and then Dave Montgomery is my other. Besides those two, I'd say James Conner or whoever is the Steelers starting running back come 2020. Um, that's more because of Mike Tomlin's system, um, not the talent of the player. Um, Joe Mixon ought to start off. I think he, you know, the, the offensive line issues um, first and foremost, the injuries uh, to Williams um, and as well as um, a couple others on the line throughout the year. I think what we're gonna see is Joe Burrow coming in there. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm thinking it's gonna be Joe Burrow. <laughs> Um, I think they're off. Just watch the Bengals find a way to screw oh that up. God,
2: uh, <laughs> he's going to say the wrong thing in the senior oh bowl God, or the combine um, or something, and they're going to be like, no, you're blacklisted.
0: You just, you just lock him in right now. But, um, but no, I think we saw towards the end of the season, how important mixing is that offense. And I think he's, he's the vocal point of that offense. He um, was RB four from moving yeah, to 16. Exactly. And uh, his, he, he was running behind the tier three line. Um, and similar to his rookie season, he they didn't get a lot of help um, from his offensive line, and that's the biggest thing that I think is going to change in 2020. I think their pieces are going to get healthy. I think they're going to um, they're going to find a way to acquire another veteran free agent, and I think as a whole, their offensive their offensive units can become much much better at scoring points consistently and, and getting in the red zone. Um, but as a talent. Mixon to me is a top four or five talent in the NFL at the running back position. Um, I absolutely love Joe Mixon. I love his game. Um, I love everything about what he does, um, on a down to down basis, but I don't like his ecosystem. I don't like his environment, but I'm starting to like it a lot more (laughs) with Joe Burrow coming into town next year, hopefully. Um, but I think he'll do a fine job next year. I mean, I project he'll be a top five running back next year. Um,
2: See, that was a year him. early on Mixon. I had yeah. RB five no, this year.
0: It's it's no, it's tough oh. because you you can't really pred- Offensive line injuries are are absolutely awful. Yeah, totally. uh, for starting running backs and like the next time I'm going to talk about like like I said Dave Montgomery, same thing. The bear I'm a Bears fan like we talked about. Unfortunately, and I I I was on the Dave Montgomery train before he was a before it became a bear, but it was extremely frustrating watching the uncontrollable factors um, work against him and tree Cohen. Um, 29th in points scored, 29th in run blocking efficiency. And then we're talking about, you know, bottom three QB play. We're talking about inconsistent play calling. Um, we're talking about a lot of different factors that don't have to do with the actual player. And that's the biggest Biggest thing for me, and that's why I'm that's why I'm buying him this year and on Dynasty and in redraft. I'm I'm gonna take him everywhere I can um, because of the simple fact that if you take all those things into account, he still had almost 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Not a not a bad rookie year. No, not at all. And I I like the Bill laser signing. I think it's great. They just got Filippo but my only issue is. As a Bears fan and someone who watches every game, Trubisky. they're going to try to find a way. Pace is hanging his hat on Mr. Trubisky, and he's risking his job.
2: Well, I mean, if you spend a top, top two pick on a quarterback—that
0: is your I, job. It is, but he's not. You know, he's not admitting, "Hey, I made a mistake here." We need to maybe go in a different direction. I think he's going to bring in some help. I think he's going to bring in Alex Smith, and that, that that makes the most sense with with his relationship with Nagy. But. I think what's going to happen is it has a chance. At, it's either going to go really well or really, or really poorly. There's not going to be an in between here in 2020 for the Bears. Either they're going to become another playoff contending team, and with the way you're saying, hiring a new head coach, uh, and exactly, a new GM. exactly, and that's the part where Montgomery has a nice RB low end RB two floor to him, which is great. I agree. He he has the physical ability to do more with that because of his three-down skill set, sort of like James Conner, but it's going to depend on the ecosystem. If the Bears can put up points, get in the red zone consistently, and use Montgomery on all three downs, which I don't think is going to happen because three cones in their contract, but that's okay. I mean, hopefully he gets enough volume. Um, I think he eclipses, I mean, three, a 3 touch like 3 touches next year is not out of the wrong possibility for him. Um, 1500 yards is something I think he can eclipse as well because I think they will get him involved more as a receiver because of the inefficiency of Tree Cohen this year. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what we're looking at with Montgomery is a, a solid RB2 floor with potential for more if the Bears do decide to go away from Tre Cohen and use him more, um, you know, as a, as a role player, a, as that gadget type player that I think he is. Um, I think that's, that's what we, we could see in 2020, but there's still risk associated with Dave Montgomery, and it's not Dave Montgomery. It's, it's the offense you're kind of buying into in the environment. Um, the next one, like I said, James Conner, uh, or whoever the Steelers' running back is. I, I think Tomlin, Tomlin loves rhythm with his offenses, and we, we saw that. We saw the rhythm go totally off the rails with Ben Roethlisberger getting hurt. Uh, obviously, Antonio Brown leaving um, hurts them as well. But I think the big thing we're kind of seeing in Pittsburgh is resiliency. I, th- I think Tomlin's done a great job with what he's been given. And I think whoever's the starting running back for the Steelers in, in 2020 has a chance of being a top top 12 running back, j- just based purely on value. Like if, if they draft a guy um, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think he's a guy that the Steelers could target in about the third or fourth round. Because um, I, I don't think James Conner comes back after 2020. Um, I think he has a, I think his out is 2021 with his, I think his read contracts up in 2021, I should say after this year. So I think we'll, I think we'll kind of see the beginning of the end for James Connor, but, um, we'll, we'll see with the draft, I mean, we'll be able to kind of get a good idea of what Tomlin really thinks of James Connor. Um, with what next happened. year, yeah. next year
2: is Connor's last year under contract.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. The 2020 season you mean? Correct.
0: Yes. So we're going to get a good idea of this draft class of, this is probably this is the deeper draft class for running backs than next year's is
2: yeah next year's wide receiver class is going to be
0: cool. It's very deep and yeah this one's good deep. too so yeah. this one's more top heavy um with with lamb and judy but and Chenault, i think is is going to be a guy who's who has the potential to be to do really big things in the league but um i think next year is just a uh, just ton of depth of the position but um, I think this year is the year they they draft running back a little later than they um, a little later than they need to really. They it's going to be win.
2: interesting because based on quarterback play this year, they need to look at quarterback. I agree. I think and they. They don't, don't have a first later. round pick. They don't after so, the Fitzpatrick trade. So I
0: think they. I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to go quarterback, or what they're going to do is um, they're going to go after a free agent. Uh, it also depends on on better out healthy. health. He, he hasn't even started throwing yet.
2: Yeah. That's not good.
0: So, I mean, he, stills long, in the game anyway. he still exactly. has a long time, but you know, he's, he's getting older. Um, and I, I think getting a viable replacement for Ben is priority one in the offseason because you have Juju Smith Schuster, who is a dy- as dynamic as a young receiver can possibly be at his age. Um, but you don't. I want love to play. Deontay Johnson. I do too. Deontay Johnson's a, a budding star, in my opinion. I think he's I think he's absolutely phenomenal. But you don't want to waste those guys um, in their good years um, with not having um, good and adequate quarterback play. So I don't know what the Steelers are going to do, but I do know whoever the starting running back for Pittsburgh um, can be a top twelve running back in twenty twenty.
2: Connor just has to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, that, that's his biggest that's thing. Big it's, thing
2: it's it's. It's two straight years now where he's missed chunks of games because of injury. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. And he's, he came out of a lot of games this year. He was banged up all year long. Yeah. Um, and he's not, like, he's not injury prone. But one thing that we don't talk about, and it is a reason we don't talk about it, is when you – because he, he battled cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's much more susceptible to soft tissue injury um, joint problems because of what his nervous system endured during that time. So people calling him injury prone. Like I've seen all that stuff thrown on Twitter and it's, it's, it's not the case. It's just, it's just his body went through kind of the same thing with Eric Berry. The most, exactly. The most intense thing your body could possibly go through without death essentially. And that takes an absolute toll on your nervous system, um, and everything else. So, um, I just, I, I think James Conner can be healthy, and I think he can play thirteen to f- thirteen game season. I think he can play thirteen games in a season. I think that's that's his ceiling there. But I, I
2: take that the, from a top fifteen running back.
0: Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think his longevity is what we're looking at. His career longevity. Um, I'd be surprised if he's still playing in the NFL at thirty. Um, oh, I would be too. But. He's a guy that, you know, in 2020, I like his game. He's a three down, three down back. He, he does everything well. He's not flashy, um, but he's a guy that can, that can, you know, you could benefit from on your fantasy team for sure. Yep.
1: Looking at some of the guys I have on mine, I I agree with you. I'm in on Joe Mixon and I I do want to put this out there into the ether just in case this does happen. Uh, Josh, I, I talked about this with you on what could happen what what would make cincinnati not draft joe burrow or what's <laughs> what surprise team could come out of nowhere and maybe be like hey here's this for joe burrow here's here's my theory the carolina panthers just went and got matt rule an absolute monster contract for a guy who has had no nfl coaching experience they then go get joe brady who was the passing game coordinator at LSU this past year. So let me just throw this out there. They realize that Will Greer's terrible, Kyle Allen's bad, and Cam Newton has one year left on his contract, and he's broken down and old. So what What say that Carolina throws two firsts in two seconds at Cincinnati. For the number one overall pick. To get Joe Burrow to be the quarterback in the future of the Carolina Panthers.
2: And the Panthers have a lot of young weapons right. on that offense.
1: I'm just saying.
2: And, I mean, it's...
1: I'm just saying. Think about it.
2: I um, mean, if you want to talk about going for the home run. Like, that would absolutely be going for the home run. I think... Do,
1: ah, do, David Tepper's been spending his money like it's the dollar menu at McDonald's. He does not care whatsoever about what he does or what the owners think. That man has spent more money in the past year. He bought. He's now the, I think it's the 31st franchise in the MLS with Charlotte FC. This guy has more money than he can think of. So at this point, yeah, trade four, four draft picks and get the future of your franchise. I'm just saying. There's, I don't think Cincinnati goes for it, but we've seen Cincinnati do dumber things. So I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I mean,
2: I remember all the rumors when Chip Kelly took over with Philly and, you know, Mariota was coming out and everybody was like, oh, you know, they're going to trade up to get him," But it was like, you know, Tennessee needed a quarterback. So where's the motivation for them to pull that trigger? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, Philly can offer anything they want, but. If the team likes the guy that they're trying to trade up to get, then it's all for naught. And I think ultimately it could end up being the exact same thing. You might see some teams that try to make that move, but since he's just going to, you know, rebuff on everything. So I
1: right. just, I want it on record. Just so it's out there, I want it on record. <laughs> so the guys I'm actually looking at heading into 2020 is, I mean, anyone in this 2020 running back draft class. <clears throat> just going through some names DeAndre Swift. Georgia, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, Travis Etienne, Clemson, Zach Moss, Utah, Chubba Hubbard if he comes out of Oklahoma State. No, he's already staying. He's already he's staying? Already staying. Yeah, right, so we'll take him out. J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Ooh, he's good. Uh, Najee Harris, LaMichael P. He's Ryan. staying too. Is Najee Harris staying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, who I actually like a lot. Um, but, I mean, that's just some of the – A.J. Dillon from Boston College is coming out too. He'll be, like, more towards, like, later middle rounds – He's a very good running back. There's a lot of guys this year that are coming. You forgot out.
2: one of the favorites from the national championship game, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Yep. Oh, he's and a lot of people are really getting. I think he's going to be a, a very fast mover up the draft board. A lot of people are drooling 100%, over
0: that. Hundred percent agree with that. He's the best receiver in this draft class, and he is, as we'll as we'll talk about later. Uh, he's one of the guys, one of the only guys in this draft class, I think, that can make an immediate impact on day one from wherever he goes. And that makes a massive difference in this league when we're talking about ecosystem, environment, and landing spot. How does that impact where the player is going in terms of his trajectory? Um, And I think Edwards Hilaire is one of those guys that he's going to have an immediate impact on day one.
1: So without even... I mean, if you have never watched a down of college football this year outside of the national championship, uh, basically like myself, I've watched a game here and there. But you even just look at the schools. DeAndre Swift hails from Georgia. There's three. Well, we'll not count Sonny Michelle. There's two high quality running backs in the NFL that have come from Georgia in the last five years. Jonathan Taylor. Melvin Gordon went to Wisconsin last time I checked, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, did. Uh Monte Ball also came out of Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know. So Ron
2: Dane, man, don't forget him. James White. James, James White. White. Oh yeah. my boy.
1: Uh, J.K. Dobbins <laughs> out of Ohio State. Ezekiel no, they've Elliott. They been a feeder
2: system of late.
1: Exactly. So you you have a lot of these guys that are coming from pristine colleges that are known for producing running backs, and I think that's a big thing. For me, so I, again, I don't know where these guys are going to end up, and that's definitely going to sway my decision on who I think pops up more and who I think has a better year. I'm but I mean, any of these guys, they're unreal. The skill that they possess, uh, Edwards isn't on the list that I'm looking at. Um, I don't know why, but he's throw it away, it's a
2: bad list. Uh, just, <laughs>
1: first, first list I found on Google, so it was all of them going to be impact from day one. And they, and you got to imagine too, they're probably, most of them are going to be on some pretty good teams because running backs aren't really taken super high anymore, unless you're the New York giants. So that's, you just got to think like, there's not a lot of running backs that warrant a top five, even a top 10 pick. One of these guys might, I don't know who it's going to be. It depends. Whoever lands
2: in Kansas city. They're gonna be RB1.
1: Immediately. Absolutely immediately. Josh, moving on to your side of things, who's on your radar well, for 2020.
2: We've talked about a couple of these guys. Kenyon Drake, obviously, we know how high on him I am. Uh Kareem Hunt, um, Angelo, you mentioned it. I I Atlanta, actually, I I wasn't really thinking that, but Atlanta could be one of those spots, you know, if they're able to get out from under Freeman's contract. But they definitely need a younger uh, workhorse there. And we've seen how workhorses can work in that that system that they have there. And it, it just – he needs to break away from Cleveland. He breaks away from Cleveland. He's a top 12 running back. I, I Honestly, I don't really care where he lands because he'll find a way to take over for somebody. But another guy that I'm looking at, probably a little more under the radar, how about Justice Hill? A lot of yeah, people were talking about him. On. A lot of people were talking about him um, towards – the beginning of this past season. Uh, we actually had Ryan Weiss on from the Fantasy Footballers last year. Uh, he'll actually be on with us in a couple of weeks, but he was a lot higher on Hill coming in than Ingram just from the speed aspect. I mean, you look at what the Ravens brought to the table in the offseason, how much speed they added to complement Lamar Jackson. I was really surprised that they didn't use Hill more than they did. They used Edwards more in tandem with uh, Ingram, but just looking at the late season calf injury that Ingram suffered. He's going to be 31 next year. Right. You need to be able to take some pressure off of him and you give him, you give that team and that offense fresh legs with four, four speed. Watch out. Yeah, no, I think he would, he's more for me, a late round flyer this coming year than he was this past year.
0: Oh, I, I think absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he was, um he was in um, the tier. He was in, the bottom of tier two for my running backs last year um, for rookies coming out of '19's class, and I, I I love his game. I think he's he fits really well in uh, in Baltimore's offense because all the focus is going to be on Lamar Jackson, right? Absolutely. And also, um, their team is at the top of tier one. They're a top three team in run blocking efficiency and line adjusted yards. So we're looking at a top tier rushing offense in the NFL. But the thing that's going to be tough with Hill is going to be, can he be um, a pass catcher? Like, What's his pass catching ceiling? He, ceiling. And he did have – he had some of those traits coming out of college that kind of, kind of like Miles Sanders in the fact that they weren't really polished pass catchers, but they can use their natural acceleration qualities uh, to separate from linebackers. They just but, don't target But they don't target the running back guys. Yeah. They don't target the running back very much. Well, they've um, got three tight ends to feed. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, but no, I, th- I think that he's he can be a very good complimentary piece next year in 2020. But he's definitely a guy that I'm I would take a late round flyer on because Ingram's not getting any younger. Um, and obviously, th- this is probably I would be willing to bet this is the best season that Ingram will have out of the next two or three. I agree.
1: I would 100% agree on that. We're running up against the clock here, so looking at Bold predictions for the upcoming season at the running back position. We'll go through quick. Angelo, what's your bold prediction for 2020?
0: Um, I think I made it earlier, but um, Joe Mixon Joe Mixon finishes as a top five running back.
1: Mine? Uh, Angelo stole mine, so I had to go with a different one. But Thievery. I know, right? Um, I'm going to go with a rookie running back ends up in the top five. I don't know which one, like I had just okay. said. Yeah. Uh, it it depends on where they fall, uh, who goes where. If I if I think their skill warrants it, but someone's going to end up in a really good position, and whoever it is is going to benefit greatly, and they're going to end up in the top
2: five. I think if Travis etn lands in Kansas City, oh,
1: that's a given. That's
2: going to be a top three back. I'm telling you what. Every time I watch etn run, he reminds me so much of Jamal Charles. It's beautiful. Really, so much, dude. That's interesting. It's gorgeous. So much. Okay. He, he's so, much. so
1: fast, too. So fast. Acceleration is fantastic uh, with him. Josh, uh, your bold prediction.
2: Uh, Kenny Drake, top 10 running back, 2020.
1: If he stays if in he Arizona. If he stays in
2: Arizona, yes.
1: That's the big if. The, there
2: lo- is definitely an asterisk there, but I think with looking at how well he performed towards the end of the year, I, I, I think Arizona would be very irresponsible if they didn't do what they could to bring him back.
1: And last thing... A look at the 2020 running back class. We've talked about it a little bit. We'll go through. Who do you think is going to be the best prospect for this draft heading into the 2020 fantasy football season? And you can only give me a 30-second spiel, no longer. Angelo, <laughs> we'll start. Perfect. We'll start with you. Who do you think is going to be the best or the best guy to make an impact as a rookie in fantasy football in 2020 at the running back position?
0: Uh, I think it's hands down DeAndre Swift. Um, I think there's going to be a reason why he's – I think he might be the only running back picked in the first round um, because he's the most versatile back in the class. Uh, I think he's the best combination of runner-receiver. I think we also have um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that conversation, but he's more receiver than runner. But I think Swift's the best combination of the two. Uh, He has really unique qualities when it comes to being um, extremely economical when it comes to his movement. Um, He's a little like Alvin Kamara in the way he moves stylistically, and I think that teams are going to really like that, and teams are going to like his versatility, Um, but I think he's the one guy that I'm looking at above all of them um, that can make an impact from day one and make an impact in fantasy football from day one as well.
1: Josh, who do you think can make an impact?
2: I, I, I think Swift is probably going to be the consensus, number one. Uh, Angelo, you hit the nail on the head there, and especially with Edwards Hilaire. Uh, Taylor is going to be interesting to me, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, um, just from a, a workhorse style that, you know, if there's a team, say, potentially even Indianapolis, you know, we've seen some durability issues with Marlon Mack. Maybe they bring in a, you know, second, third-round pick. Um, Ballard tends to hoard those, like, Christmas presents. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they bring in there. Uh, I do like Dobbins, but I'm I'm telling you, ETN's my guy. I just every time I watch him, man, it's just like, oh god, I, it's yeah, he's orgasmic to me right now, and I'm I'm all in on him.
1: ETN, I agree on ETN. I'm gonna go on a different note and a guy that may that people may not be thinking about Zach Moss from Utah.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: I think if he ends up, I just didn't want to go with what you guys have said. I think I think it's by far it's Swift and ETN are my top two. But going with Zach Moss, because he may not be the fastest. His projected 40 time is roughly about a four or five. He's 5'10", 215. He's built like a truck. And he's just, he averaged six yards per carry, 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns. He also... Man,
2: Pac-12 defenses, man.
1: Gotta love Pac-12. <laughs> The other thing too, he had 28 catches, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but for college football, in college football
2: it is kind of a lot. Yeah, though. that is a lot. For, it feels like with some of the running backs that come out nowadays.
1: Exactly for for almost 400 yards and two touchdowns, so we know he can do both, and he's not going to be a high pick, so he's going to go in the second or third round, but he's going to go to a solid team in my opinion. Because I don't think he's gonna be a high second round pick. I think he's gonna be a mid, maybe late second round pick. So at that really? point Okay. I, I think at that point he's gonna to go to a really good team. And if he, even if he's not, he's either he's either a late first round pick or a mid to late second round. I don't think anyone takes him in the early
0: second. Which Jack I, Moss? Yeah really i i see him more in the i think he's going to be a fourth fourth or fifth round pick i was okay. going to
2: say i see him more as a third fourth and i think it's more so just because of the depth of the position yeah. tends to shove talented guys back because right. they they'll try to reach for other positions that aren't as deep i agree he's a good back
0: he he, he reminds me a lot stylistically of james conner um yeah but i mean he's a good back but i i, I could i can definitely see a team um going up and they, they want a more of a Tampa tampa's a team that i that might be um betting on a guy late like him, um, but doesn't want to take a guy early. Um Yeah,
2: especially after taking Ronald Jones two years ago in the second. I know I like Ronald Jones too. I kinda hurts. Oh
0: man, you're killing me. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I can't I, stand Rojo. <laughs> I, 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 I like his, the thing is this, like he he's not devoid of talent, but it's it's the mental errors and it's the inability to 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 A to run within scheme. That's huge. Uh, he's gotten a lot better at that this year. And B, he still has not picked up pass protection. And yeah, that, you need that in Bruce Arians also. Exactly. And that if you can't protect the interception machine and David Winston. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that that's, you know, like Bruce Arians, he, he prides himself on two things. Ball security and taking care of the quarterback. Jones fumbled a lot. And he didn't he didn't protect Jameis Winston very well.
2: I just love how Arians is so quick to bench Ronald Jones for fumbling, yet he lets Jameis Winston throw thirty interceptions. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, right? I'm just saying it, it's yeah, the most sense I've ever seen in any head coach that proclaims ball security. Agreed.
1: So before we wrap up, Josh, you you kind of made my point. Ronald Jones was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Why can't Zach Moss be a second round pick? Well, that, but that's I mean. My point. Uh,
2: no, I'm not, I'm not. Here's the thing. I'm not saying he can't be. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, people fall in love with, you know, what Ronald Jones did his last two years at, at USC. But all he, all he literally just ran in a straight line. That's it. I mean, the guy had holes as wide as the Red Sea. Like, that's what he ran through at USC. He didn't have to do a lot of cutting and juking and, and creating yards. It was there's the hole hit it and he's fast yeah, that, that's why I wasn't that big on on Ronald Jones because most of what I saw from him, it just it it didn't look like there was a lot of effort that really went into it because it was literally just running straight,
1: yeah. so so the reason I say that is just because I think teams have been taking more and more shots on running back as of late in those second and third rounds. That's why I could see. That's Moss fair. go there that that's that's the whole thing there all right Interesting. Okay. Angelo thank you for joining us this was a fantastic recap of the 2019 this might have been our backs. most
2: educated episode yet
1: oh my I learned stuff I didn't even know this was this was a learning experience for me this is fantastic and
2: Angelo you're making us look stupid but that's okay we like it that's
1: fine and <laughs> Angelo one more time for everyone where can they follow you
0: um just, just on Twitter at Angelo uh Angelo Fantasy. Um I'll be probably putting out um my um prospect breakdowns on the twenty twenty class soon. I think the first one I'm gonna do is actually Travis Etienne. Um I can't wait for that. that that's what I, that's what I got planned. But um but yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's, it's been th- awesome, dude. It's been fun. Awesome.
1: Head he- there to learn something that you won't find anywhere else for your upcoming twenty twenty class. If you're in a rookie draft for a dynasty league, definitely one of the best follows to help kind of learn maybe some of the stuff that you wouldn't even think of to maybe put into consideration for your upcoming rookie draft. This has been No Pun Intended presented by Club Fantasy. You can follow Club Fantasy on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at FFL. You can follow recapping the year of the 2019 wide receivers. Always remember, defense wins championships, offense wins fantasy, and we will see you next week. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Check us out there, subscribe, follow, like. Until then, we will see you next week with Lauren Carpenter of the Fantasy Footballers recapping the 2019 wide receiver year.